My wife, Diane, recently went back to western New York for a week or so to help our daughter and family move from the apartment that they had been renting into a house that they'll be renting. Um, a much better situation in so many ways. Uh, but while she was there, it snowed just about every day. And it maybe got into the mid-30s for a high at some time when she was there, down in the teens at night. Uh, she took every article that resembled winter clothing that she owned with her because we'd gotten rid of that stuff when we moved to Florida back in 2016. But praise the Lord, she survived and made it home and got back into her own bed and got settled back into the routine. Now, we've been married 43 years and seven months and some days in there, but I still hate to be apart. At least I do. Um, but do we always see eye to eye on everything? No. Uh, do we work out our differences? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, she'll admit that she was wrong and, you know, that I was right. And <laughs> uh, if you believe that one, I have a bridge that I would like to sell you. No, um, it's compromise. You know, sometimes she's a little more right than I am, and sometimes I'm a little more wrong <laughs> than she is. But um, that's kind of the name of the game in a relationship, any relationship, that you need to work at having harmony. And that's an important thing to be learned because it doesn't come natural. We want things our way most of the time. Most people do anyways. But in premarital counseling, it was something that I couldn't stress enough that there had to be, you know, some give and take and some compromising. But, you know, there there's one relationship where there is no compromising. And that's our relationship with God because he's always right. You know, so, you know, instead of trying to uh, somehow convince him that you're right, just do it his way because he's never having to, to compromise on anything. So just say, okay, Lord, maybe I don't understand, but let's go. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you know us inside and out and that you still love us. You love us with all of the faults that we have. You love us even though we keep making some of those same mistakes over and over and over again. And you keep forgiving us over and over and over again. And Father, just help us to, to be better on our end of the relationship. Uh, your side is perfect. Our side is very imperfect. So Lord, help us to to get closer to you in every way. Lord, we know that perfection is not something that we're ever going to maintain, but Lord, help us to, to work at getting there and pleasing you more and more often. So Father, as we look at your word today, Lord, help us to get the message that you have for us, not the message that I've put together, but Lord, what you have to say. Just let the Holy Spirit guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot that's needed in the world right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, physical things like jobs, food, uh, medications, housing, money, schools, 
and other things like understanding and empathy and peace and quiet. <coughs> but what is needed the most is Jesus. And so how do we get more to where Jesus is? And how do we, you know, just figure that out? Or, you know, it, it should be an easy task, but it doesn't seem to be, at least not here in the United States. You know, many people don't want to hear about Jesus. Our middle son, Ben, back in 2011, was in New York City on September 11th. And they had been going and ministering to people doing street ministry and ministering with the homeless and, and all of that. And they'd be trying to pass out tracks uh, up until September 10th, and people would <clears throat> either um, laugh at them, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, throw their tracks on the ground or swear at them or whatever. A few people would listen. But after September 11th, okay, then if they started talking to one person about Jesus, pretty soon there was a crowd around them wanting to hear what they had to say. You know, we haven't had a coming together like 9-11 since 9-11. We certainly don't want another 9-11, but it worked. And the problem is that it shouldn't take a tragedy like that to bring people together. As Christians, there's one way we can show others Jesus. In John 13, Jesus was talking to his disciples and this is what he said in John 13, verses 34 and 35. This is from the NIV. So a new, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Okay, now we know that inspired the song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. But we need to be loving one another, not just singing about it, not just saying it, but doing it. Okay, I believe there's a fruit that comes from that love, and that fruit is peace. In our family, or in your family, if everyone is loving on each other, which maybe doesn't happen a whole lot, but when there are those times that they're loving on each other, there's peace. You know, in a church, when everybody seems to be, you know, headed in the right direction and in the same direction, you know, and then there's peace. You know, in an organization, uh, you know, if everybody has the, the same idea, the same mindset, you know, there's peace that comes along with that. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says a lot about peace, both in the Old and New Testaments. And Jesus spoke often about peace. So this tells us that peace is an important topic. Now, there was a saying on Facebook a few days ago that sounds good from the start anyways, but listen to it. It says, peace is not when everyone agrees it's when we can respect our disagreements 
and still play in the sandbox together. Okay, now that sounds good because we need to respect the disagreements because we don't all disagree on just about anything. Okay, the the color of what something should be, the, the front door or, you know, the carpet in the sanctuary of the church or, you know, whatever, you know, there's going to be disagreements just because we have different tastes and different thoughts and ideas, but we need to be able to respect those disagreements and, like it says, still play together in the sandbox. In other words, still get along. But I I like this better. and This is from Pastor Craig Rochelle, where he says, prayer and praise are the pathway from panic to peace. Okay? Peace isn't about just respecting one another's disagreements. Peace is about knowing the Lord and bringing the Lord into those disagreements and, you know, leaning on Him to get the the respect that we need maybe for our side of, of things. So let's let's take out some scripture and, and see what we got here. Okay, I'm going to start with Isaiah 26, uh, beginning in verse 1. And, you know, it, it begins uh, a, a song of praise to the Lord. Because uh, it goes on after, you know, what I'm going to read to you. But it says, In that day, everyone... In the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous, all the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. <coughs> Excuse me. He humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot, and the needy walk all over it. Okay, first, Isaiah is saying that everyone will sing this song of praise to the Lord. Okay, not just some, not just the the Levites, and not just the priests, but that everyone will sing this song of praise to the Lord. Well, then he brings a message of what will happen with that. Okay, it says that all who are righteous, all the faithful, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Okay, so what's going to happen with those people? It says that God will give them perfect peace. Not peace, but God will give them perfect peace peace. Okay, so just listen to to that again. It says, you will be kept in perfect peace, all you who trust in him, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Okay, so if that's you, if you're included in that, you can know that you're going to receive that perfect peace from the Lord. Because perfect peace can come from no place else. Nothing perfect can come from any place else other than the Lord. So, in Isaiah, in chapter, or excuse me, verse 5, Isaiah tells us 
God humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. When God lifts up those who follow him, he also makes the evil ones pay, is what it's telling us. Okay, in Isaiah 48, 22, God echoes this when he says, but there is no peace for the wicked. Okay, they're not going to know what peace is. Okay, they may get along with their buddies, with their cohorts, in their, their planning of doing whatever, but that's not going to bring them peace. Okay, and let me give you one last verse from Isaiah, one that we've heard recently. Uh, uh, where am I? Isaiah 9, 6. From the NIV, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, the Prince of Peace is the Master of Peace, the General of Peace, the Ruler of Peace. Okay, and the, the word peace means shalom. So the, the rest, the health, the prosperity. So that's our Messiah that we've heard about, that we know about, that we love. So I want to look at another familiar Old Testament reference, and then I'll move on to the New Testament. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26, the Lord's telling Moses what to say to the Israelites. Okay, this is from the NIV. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and to give you peace. Okay, you've maybe heard that before as a common benediction that's used weekly in a lot of churches. It's a comforting way to send God's people into the world and to do battle. Okay, because the way it ended up in that, it says, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Okay, in, in Paul's letter, no, to the church of Colossae, he had this to say to them. Okay, this is in chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, and this is taken from the New Living Translation. Paul says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just kind of imagining this letter being read to the members of the body of Christ. Okay, the Church of Colossae and the the, the leader is up there and, you know, maybe he, he hands this letter to someone else to read it and they they get all ready and they they start out and says reading along and you know it's God chose you as his holy people and all and everybody's saying yeah amen amen let's preach it and then he gets to verse 15 where he says make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you 
and they're like, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. What, what does he mean, forgive anyone who offends you? Anyone who offends me? I mean, that, <laughs> that, that's, that's crazy. I mean, no, nobody can do that. I mean, Paul doesn't really expect that, does he? But the letter continues right after that, where it says, forgive anyone who offends you. And you're kind of thinking, no, not going to happen. It's just, nope, nope, can't do it. Right after that, it says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Wow. Paul, you know you got me there. You know, if you put it that way, I guess that's what I got to do, whether I really want to or if I think I can or I know it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be really hard for me to be able to forgive her for what she did to me and forgive him for what he didn't do that he said he would do. And and I got to forgive him, but God forgave me. Because if I or if we remember that, okay, there's that part about perfect harmony. And that's going to come a whole lot easier. And the end results will be peace. Because if I'm thinking like Christ and acting like Christ, I will experience the peace of Christ. Perfect harmony. What does that even sound like or look like? Or, you know, I just trying to put that again what would perfect harmony be in a family or in in the body of Christ when I was serving churches <clears throat> sometimes I would have the the pianist play just the bass part to a familiar song and you know people just kind of sat there looking at each other well then I'd have her play him or her just play the tenor part of that song and people are still kind of scratching their heads and so then I'd have her play just the alto part of that song and you know most people still haven't got it yet but then I would have her play the soprano part the melody you know those women that can't do harmony but they have high voices okay I'd have her play that part, and everybody's, oh, yeah, we know that song. And then she'd play all four parts together of Jesus Loves Me. Now, just that melody sounded good, but when the four parts were together, that's when it sounded the best, because that was perfect harmony to a perfect song. But... That's what we need to do. Not just have one voice that sounds great, but to have all of our voices coming together in perfect harmony, the peace of Christ. That's what God wants from us. No, I take that back. That's what God expects from us. Jesus must have had an opinion on this subject. Okay, Matthew 5, 9 is a familiar place. Okay, in the King James, it says, 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. New Living Translation says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Work for peace. Make an effort. Okay, time and energy. It's meaningful to you then. Okay, sometimes, uh, man, it may seem fruitless. It may be time-consuming, and but at the end, it's so, so rewarding. In John 16, Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples what's going to be happening. Okay, his death is going to equal their grief. His res- resurrection will bring their joy. So he, he sums, sums it up like this in John 16, 31 to 33, the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. <coughs> Excuse me. Yet, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. <clears throat> he told him, you'll have peace in me. You'll have peace in Jesus. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? No, it doesn't. Well, John shares some more important words of Jesus on the topic of peace. In John 14, 27, it says, I'm leaving you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. In the message, it says it like this, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. And for you traditionalists, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about, okay? Because in the New or in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when Jesus is speaking and others, uh, the word peace is described different ways. But this is irene, quiet, peace, rest. Doesn't that sound amazing? We have three little girls been living with us for the last month, and. I love them to death, but when everybody's in bed or everybody's gone, uh, the peace, uh, it's just so great. It sounds so great. You know, there's nothing happening, which (laughs) sounds really good sometimes. But don't miss the importance of what Jesus says. I'm giving you peace that you can't find any place else. Peace to the world means 
you know, taking a cruise or, you know, laying on the beach or going up in the mountains. Peace of the world means spending money. Peace of the world means alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be. But peace with Jesus means, I got this. I'm not going to leave you. You can depend on me all the time, okay, no matter what. In Romans 12, Paul's writing to us about how to live as a believer. In verses 1 and 2, he says, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, Paul is concerned about how we live our lives. We need to be living for the Lord. You know, I like verse 18. You know, if you read it in the, the NIV, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hmm, that's a toughie, isn't it? If, if Paul had said, live at peace with your family, well, for some of us, that would still be kind of difficult. Or if he'd said, live at peace with your co-workers. You know, there's some that we could live at peace with, with no problem, and there's others that there's never been any peace between the two of you. If he'd said, be at peace with all of the members at your church. No, that doesn't work very well sometimes either. Okay? But he didn't say that. Why? Because if we belong to God, we need to act like God because God expects us to love everyone just like he does and so we need to make sure that that's what we're doing okay well I want to end this with a song as I do quite often this is a song that was written by someone that had had an unsuccessful suicide attempt about 10 years prior to the writing this. But it just sparked something and then that they had to, to put this down on paper and their spouse put music to it. Probably familiar to you. But it says, Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow to take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me.
that is where peace has to begin with me and you. It will not, will not happen any other way. Politicians aren't going to bring us peace. New laws or striking down old laws aren't going to bring us peace. Armies aren't going to bring us peace. No amount of money is going to bring us peace. You can't buy it. Only by you and I doing what God expects us to be doing. Being the peacemakers that Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, 9. That's who we've been called to be. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for your word and how it is so so timeless that, Lord, we can have a Bible that was written hundreds of years ago, translated into languages over the years and comes to us today in so many different forms, and it's still true. Lord, I thank you for your word. But Lord, sometimes <clears throat> your word is so hard for us to, to follow because we're pulled in so many opposite directions of your word. And so, Lord, as your children, Lord, help us to, to be able to see with your eyes what is right and what is true and what is of the world. Because the world doesn't have right and true to offer us. Only you do. And so, Father, help us to, to find that in the messages that are out there because we are bombarded with messages and radio and TV and newspapers and you name it. Um, Father, we need to be able to, to know what is right. And so we need to take what we hear, take what we read elsewhere, and compare it to your word. And if it doesn't come together in perfect harmony, Lord, it's not of you, and we need to get rid of it. So, Father, help us to be stronger and to be better at doing that. But, Lord, I lift up, too, any that may be listening that doesn't know you. Maybe they've never listened to a Christian podcast of any kind. Maybe they've never gone to a church. Maybe they've never heard about this Jesus. But, Lord, let them know that they need to know who Jesus is. Or maybe they've gone to church, maybe for months, maybe for many years, but they've never made a commitment to that Jesus that they've heard a lot about. Lord, let today be the day that they make the, the biggest decision of their life, and that's the decision to follow your son, Jesus Christ. The Lord, let them know that they have to admit that they've been a sinner because we all have. And that we need Jesus to change that in our lives. So Lord, let him pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son who came to earth and died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Let me live that life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>